What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first, the very first edition, the very first episode of Field Stormers. I am your co-host, Mo Murphy, also the host of Up in Flames and VP of Off the Ball Network. And with me, the other co-host, the guy who really got all of this going, inspired this show. Y'all know who he is. He was on Up in Flames. We're part of Off the Ball Network. He gives you out his bets. He does. He gives you his college football card every Thursday. Uh, part of the daily parlays, like it's, it's so much Walker does, but my guy Walker Bailey, I think this was inevitable, but what's going on, Walker? You're not a whole lot, man. I'm really excited to get this thing underway. You know, we've done a lot of uh, like short term or short kind of episode college football stuff with FNL and then just kind of on our own on spaces and stuff. But, you know, something like this was really lacking. And so I'm glad that we finally kind of teamed up and made this happen and we'll finish out this season and then get and keep it going and, uh, excited to get started and a lot to get to for sure. We picked a good week for it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, just before we really get into anything, like I think this was inevitable. I mean, we were basically recording every week the past three weeks, um, did a college football preview, talked about, you know, the first quarter, uh, Jeff was supposed to be able to make the show. He's, he still may be able to pop in, but he's also making an appearance on locked on Buckeyes and everything he does with Buckeyes remix, his college football, college football review, uh, on his weekly on his podcast so that's why we wanted to have him as the first guest because he's really the guy who really covers college football over there at the network but I mean I'm just glad we're getting this done I'm glad we're here uh, I'm glad we're going to be able to make a good show I mean we have so many conversations about college football we have so many opinions on it it only made the most sense to just have where we ain't got to talk about NFL we ain't got to talk about NBA we could just we, we got we started our own platform to really talk college football and I think it's a space that I'm not there are some great people within the space, but I think it is a space that's kind of lacking. Like you see our guy Zach over there, like took over the FCS space as far as like he is one of the voices of the FCS, you know, talking college football, but for the FCS. So like I think we can make I think we could kind of do the same thing. And I think, you know, shout out to Zach Blue Bloods for really inspiring this, too, because I see what he does in the FCS space. And it's like he jumps in with a place where it's lacking. They hear they hear his voice. They hear his insight and they're like, this dude really knows what he's talking about. And he's, he's taking it serious. And, you know, the Blue Bloods took off over there. So, you know, without further ado, welcome to the first edition, uh, first episode of Field Stormers. So we're going to jump right into it. It's week five. We're in week five of the college football season. Time has flown yeah. by. I mean, we're starting to see who we're really looking at as national championship contenders, playoff contenders. Uh, we're going to see these New Year's Six Bowl bowl games start to come in fruition. The predictions are coming. You know, the front runners for Heisman are, are, are start. The Heisman race has essentially started. Conference play has started. So all these games really, really matter. Not that it didn't matter. It mattered if you lost up to this point. But all these undefeated teams, all these teams that are here, all these teams that are here to play. But before we get into these large matchups, let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend. The, the college football analyst over here at Off the Ball Network, VP1A, like I made the announcement, we were going to bring him on, host of the Buckeyes remix on Jeff Needs Sports, Jeff Needs Help, host of the college football review every week, the, the college football mind himself, Jeff. Jeff, what's going on, bro? Uh, not much, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm glad you're doing this. I'm glad I can be a part of it. I know it's a busy night and a crazy night, but uh, I'm just I'm, I'm lucky to be here and talk a little college football. Yeah, so we, like I said, we won't have Jeff too long. 
Um, he's going to have to record for Locked On Buckeyes. Great show over there by Jay Stevens. So make sure you check that out Monday through Friday. Um, he, anybody, especially the Buckeyes fans, anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge Ohio State fan. That's my go-to for Locked On Buckeyes is that and the Buckeye Remix every week. I listen to that weekly. So make sure you check both of those shows out. So, Jeff, we'll start with you. Uh, we're starting pretty basic. Okay. This is a huge weekend. We're in week five of college football season. A lot of undefeated teams. Um, and that's what matters, right? We're going into conference. We're already in <laughs> conference play. And what matters is the undefeated teams right now. We're talking national championship contenders who are playoffs. New Year's Six predictions are coming. The Heisman race is getting hot. So this weekend is a huge weekend for college football. I think it's very telling for a lot of teams. And we could even start predicting matchups for certain teams later on. Like, okay, they skated by, I see a loss in week seven. They skated by, I see a, week, a loss by week eight. Like, I don't think they make it through the season undefeated. So as far as large matchups go, what are one or two of yours that you're looking at in week five? And you're like, this could be very telling for the rest of the college football season. So I'll, st I'll, I'll stay out of your guys' wheelhouse because I know there's a couple big games that, that definitely Walker wants to talk about, and I don't, I don't want to step on any toes. Um, so one is um, Michigan-Iowa, and it's not that because I think it's not really upset alert or anything like that, but you know this is just one of those games to where, like, okay, we got a team. It's going to be tested by a good defense. You know, Michigan's taking a lot of flack for their schedule, you know, through the first, you know, three to four games. I've defended them saying that they're just they're just playing the game the way college you know football set up. They are a really good team. There's nothing more they can do but bulldoze everybody in their path. Iowa has a quality defense. They really don't have an offense. So this is a game that you can watch just to see like how Michigan handles them. I clearly think they're gonna win, but I think it's a test of like it's you know it's physical scheme. You know, Michigan isn't Michigan is sort of sort of one dimensional, but in a good way as to where they just plow everybody with that running game and that blocking scheme. And it's it's unbelievable. Not that their quarterback's bad or anything. So Iowa comes in knowing what they have to do. So I'm really curious how Iowa handles Michigan um, that. And then I've, I've got an eye on my Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, I got a lot riding on them every year. I think that that's going to be the year that they they uh escape that they miss stubbing their toe so on and so forth and i think riley's going to put it together and then there always something gets in their way but at the end of the season they're always a really good team that just like made that one mistake through the season so baylor's a very good team oklahoma state this this is the game that will vault them into the you know the playoff discussion especially with oklahoma losing last week so that that's a couple of them that i'm watching you know outside of what uh, clearly you guys are going to talk about some of the bigger there's there's another game out there that I'm way more concerned about, but Walker Walker's got this got that one handled. Yeah, so yeah. I'm I'm gonna go with mine before I let Walker go because we know he's going to the game that we all want to talk about, but we're gonna leave it to that guy that he has everything riding on that game. So, uh, one game I'm really looking forward to or really looking at closely is that NC State Clemson game. I mean, is MC is NC State for real? They're the number ten team in the country. They're undefeated. Clemson skated by Wake Forest. So this will be NC State's first real test to see if they're really on the map. Like, can they win the ACC? Could they go through the ACC, be undefeated, and be in the playoffs? Like, there's a lot of questions with that game, and I think, obviously, the winner is now the front runner um, for the ACC and almost would expect the winner of that game probably goes undefeated, even though there's a couple little, like, little engines that could that are hiding in the ACC waiting for, to upset Clemson or NC State, basically whoever comes out the winner of this game. Uh, so the NC State Clemson is one I'm looking forward to. Wake Forest and Florida State is another one. Like Florida State's 4-0. 
They opened up beating LSU. We kind of thought this was going to be, I thought it was going to be like a wash year for Florida State. Like, I kind of thought it was really telling, like, the loser of Florida State and LSU was really going to have a bad season. And that's not the case for either team. LSU's 3-1. and one. Uh, They're on a bye week this week, but they'll play Tennessee next week, and I'm sure we'll talk about that game. A lot of LSU fans are very upset that they're playing at 11 o'clock in the morning, but don't want to hear those complaints, but whatever. Um, But I do think, like, I think Florida State has an opportunity to really make a statement. Like, Wake Forest just went toe-to-toe with Clemson, took them into overtime, ended up losing the game in a a very high-scoring affair. I think this could really put Florida State on the map. Like, I think they beat LSU – but we're still not valuing LSU because they haven't really played nobody outside of Mississippi State, but they've done what they needed to do with their schedule outside of beating Florida State. If Florida State wins this game, like, we start taking them serious. Like, if NC State loses and Florida State wins, now we're looking at Florida State like they're the team that's going to threaten Clemson. They're the team that we could see playing Clemson in the ACC championship. I think that's a high possibility. So that's also another game. I think Norvell's doing a great job over there, and I think going into the season, he's a guy that, like, we might have seen could be on the hot seat. Um, so, and then I'll dive into SEC real quick. Obviously, Alabama, Arkansas, like this is Alabama's first real test. Texas tested Alabama, but it wasn't, I mean, they were 20 point favorites. The expectation was Alabama was going to handle business. They got tested. But I think when looking at the schedule, like we felt like Arkansas was going to be Alabama's first real, real test where we're like, okay, we're going to see how good Alabama is. And we're also going to see how good Arkansas is. Arkansas already has coughed up a game against A&M, but I still don't think that takes away that Arkansas is still a good team. They're a quality opponent. If Alabama wipes the floor with Arkansas, they get all the credit in the world from me, in my opinion. Like, I'm not going to say they're the best team in the country, hands down, but they're going to get credit if they wipe the floor with Arkansas or they come out of here with a victory. I think it's on the road at Arkansas as well. So you're going to get credit, in my opinion. I know they coughed one up against A&M, but A&M, even though with a bad loss, has a couple quality wins. Over Arkansas, well, the win over Miami is no longer any type of quality, but we had talked about that a couple weeks ago, Jeff. No quality at all. But still, I think it'll be very telling. And if Arkansas, like, I'm almost hoping this is the game that Alabama loses. I think this is the best quarterback they've played up to this point. This probably could be the best quarterback they'll play until the SEC championship against Stetson Bennett. Oh, Alabama does play Hendon Hooker, but in Tennessee. Like, I think they've got three road games that I think are tricky. They go to Fayetteville. And then they go to Oxford to play Ole Miss. And then they play on the road in Neyland against Tennessee. And if you made me circle one where I was like, they slip somewhere, like I'm circling Tennessee. Like that's where I think that's going to be their toughest one. Yeah, I think I, I agree. And that's why my preseason rankings, that's why I had them below Georgia because I just thought their schedule had more. Well, we talked about it. You guys were on the show. They just had a, a couple more pitfalls. And I I gave Ole Miss credit then to have a chance, you know, to, to you know, take on Alabama. I now obviously – you know, it, that's more than a pitfall. That's a game. So, well, they, and then, yeah, and then Tennessee is better, I think, than anybody really. Like, I think I people totally thought they were I think, good, but I think like Tennessee looks like Tennessee looks like okay. Like, we need to turn the TV on for Georgia Tennessee this year, not just assume that Georgia's going to win that game. Like, even 100%. in Athens, that can be interesting. I would put Tennessee up there with like Penn State as far as like we right. knew they would be good, but they're really good. Like yeah. all of a yeah, sudden, they've excelled like, expectations. Like, yeah. Yeah, Penn State's a lot better as well. So we'll pass it over to Walker. Walker, what's the game? You <laughs> what's the longest? Well, I'm, gonna kick, I'm gonna kick the. I'm gonna kick the. I'm gonna kick the obvious one to the back burner here because I do want to say something about Florida State since you brought them up. We're about to really find out what Florida State's all about. Their next three games, they host Wake Forest this week. Um, they go to Raleigh and play North Carolina State next week. 
and they come home the following week and host Clemson. We're fixing to find out what these boys are all about. Like they've been good. They've done everything they need to do this to this point, you know, three consecutive tests here to really kind of determine where this team sits on the national scale. Um, I mean, if you come out of there, even two and one, you walk out of there and it's just like, Hey, we performed really well in a year where we didn't have super high expectations. We're six and one going into the rest of our schedule, which then, I mean, it's like Georgia Tech, Miami, Syracuse, uh, cupcake game, and then you play Florida at the end of the year. And like, there's not a whole lot of just obvious L's left on the schedule, if any. So, I mean, I think we're about to, I think we're about to find out what Florida State's all about in these next three weeks. It could make or break their season. They could go 0 and 3. And you, if you told me they went 3 and 0, I'm not totally out on that. Like, I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. So, yeah. and before we and before we get off Florida State, I want to say like there's there's two storylines here. Hey, Florida State's a good storyline. You know what I mean? I, you know, I, I like the way they look. I agree with everything Walker just said. Mo, you just said. What I don't like about this in the bigger picture is it's 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 nonsensical that Florida State has to do all this to prove themselves and work their way up the rankings. As, a, as opposed to like Notre Dame who gets to start the season at five and then, you know, fi- figure out if they're good or not. If you put Florida State and you start them at the season where you did Notre Dame, they're, they're kind of still there. So yeah. I just want to, as far as the bigger picture of college football, it, it'll work out fine. I understand that, but it really doesn't because let's say Florida State slips up this weekend and then goes on a run. They never got the benefit of the doubt to start high enough that they can't get high enough with a, without going undefeated and it's yeah. just not fair for a for a big brand team that we're given we give a perfect example clemson gets away with uh you know the overtime win last week N- really not a whole lot of punishment there because they started so high as to where florida state does can't have any slip-ups only because of preseason rankings and i just want to get that and they're out still there. getting the benefit of the doubt and like and i don't like want to overstep in this statement but they're not you can't put them in the conversation for me at least with the top three anymore. And I think there's other teams floating around that fourth spot where I was like, all right, if you put them on a neutral field, like I think this team is better than Clemson. Like I think we gave Clemson the benefit of the doubt because they were such a brand a few years ago with Watson and Lawrence. And um, I just don't think it's there anymore. Like that secondary got carved for, I mean, and they were the second, like they were the second best team on the field and they found a way to win, which is all that matters. But like, still got issues like you've still got to you turn around and play a top 10 team this week that's got a veteran quarterback that's really good and i'll just like i mean i think they're gonna lose this weekend even with it being at home like i mean i I trust i trust north carolina state more than i trust clemson and that tells you a lot like i mean to me too like we're seeing what Dabo's coaching ability is now without generational talents taking snaps and it's not bad it's fine but it's not this elite high level like it's this regular yeah. we've ever seen. It's pretty ordinary. So, you know, I, I'll be interested to watch that game this weekend. Like that one's on my list, like Mo said. Another one that's on my list that um that I'm gonna miss, but I'm gonna be keeping up with the score. I want to watch this Oklahoma TCU game. Yes. So I, I was really high on TCU preseason. I they were my flyer to win the Big 12. They kind of they looked dominant for a half in the battle for the iron skillet last week against SMU and then kind of took their foot off the gas and just kind of like whatever, kind of held on at the end. But they're playing in Fort Worth. Oklahoma's off a, a lackluster performance at best against Kansas State uh, where they lost. And now they come to Fort Worth, and I think TCU's really good. 
Like, I think they're really good. I think this is going to be a really gritty, tough game, high scoring, because neither team, I don't really plays a whole lot of defense. I like, and I kind of like the Horn Frogs a little bit. And maybe that's just kind of my preseason like bias talking where I circled the spot. But like, I think TCU's got a real shot. Um, and Sonny Dykes has won big games before. Like, I mean, yep. it's a guy that's kind of been around the block. He's played big games, he's won big games, they've got a quarterback. And that's, I mean, you've got everything you need for a potential upset there. So I'm going to have the score. I'm going to have the score up and be watching and keeping up with that as the as the morning goes on on Saturday. Shout out to the state of Kansas football right now. Right, come absolutely. on, Kansas State and Kansas. You know, I'm really happy for Adrian Martinez. I know you guys got a longer show. I don't have a bunch of time. I just want to throw out good great for adrian martinez to be like i told you so this is the one of the biggest i told you so years in college football history it kind of reminds me when uh i know he was good at north carolina state but like when russell wilson went to wisconsin and was like this is how good i am martinez isn't that level but you know shout out to him i I love this kansas team that quarterback is amazing it's fun to watch they're legit contenders it's it's made the big 12 really really exciting and i totally agree with you i think we could come out of this week with Kansas State beating Texas Tech, which is going to look like a pretty good victory, and TCU beating OU, I, I th- and Oklahoma State wins. Like I think the Big Twelve could could be really, really super interesting coming out of this weekend. There's Whoever no bad wins. teams in that conference. There's exactly. no bad teams. There's zero. So bad there's my teams. stock up. When you guys get to it, I, the Big Twelve was on my list of like, good for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, so then we'll finally here because we kind of been like I've kind of been like putting it off but i mean i'm going to be in attendance i'll be Ole miss and kentucky going at it saturday morning 11 o'clock Ole miss favored by a touchdown a big Ole miss hasn't played anybody their only real test was and not even real test semi test was last week against Tulsa, where they kind of let them get back in it late georgia tech was supposed to be tougher than it was but georgia tech's atrocious they don't have an athletic director or a head coach now two weeks after that game <laughs> they're in bad shape yeah, like they're in bad shape. That one ended up not being a test. So we're going to find out what this Ole Miss team is about. Kentucky comes in. Uh, just you know exactly what you're getting. Going to run the football, going to be physical. They've got a good quarterback in there. Uh, they're going to be really good on defense. You know exactly what you're going to get from them. And so it's going to be a litmus test, I think, for both programs because I think now we look back and say Kentucky won in the swamp. After the week after Anthony Richardson put on a show against Utah, and now Anthony Richardson has now played a few games since then, and we're kind of like, okay, but how good is Florida really? So I think it's a litmus test for both programs, and we're going to find out exactly what both programs are made of. It's a game if you're Ole Miss where you're trying to you're trying to take the step from middle of the pack in the SEC to second tier, right behind Alabama and Georgia. Like, hey, we're going to be a top ten team every year and we're going to compete with those teams. They've won – both team, both programs have won 15 of the last 18 games. And, like, if you're Ole Miss, you look at it, and it's like, okay, we play Kentucky Saturday, and if we can get past Kentucky Saturday at home, you go to Vanderbilt next week. You're home for Auburn, which they're a disaster. And then eventually you go to Death Valley, but, like, you're kind of on the path here where you establish yourself and become contenders. So – and Kentucky's the same way. I mean, they play in the SEC East which is the lighter half of the conference. So, you know, if they win at Ole Miss, they get South Carolina and Mississippi State, both games in Lexington, before that huge game in Knoxville at the end of October against Tennessee. So it's a huge litmus test or litmus test for both programs. I kind of think Ole Miss is going to smack them. 
that's just kind of my early lean. I don't, I like, usually I have a pretty good like internal like gauge as to like, I know sometimes when things are not going to go well on Saturday, but I've been quietly confident for a few weeks now that they're going to pull, like come out and pull out all the stops and find a way to win by like 17 and kind of announce themselves. So that's what I kind of think is going to happen, but it's a big spot. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I got a few questions here. I, I couldn't wait to talk about this with uh, Walker. First and foremost, yeah. are they wearing the powder blues? Does anybody know? Because if they're wearing the powder so, blues, it's over. I think they. I think they are. Um, it's, a, it's either I mean, going to be that. It's either going to be that, or it's either going to be that points. or red. Yeah, it's going to be either that or red, and then they're going to wear the they're going to wear the real tree helmets and white pants on. And so then another on, comment: Have we we talked about early season football? You're you're completely right about Ole Miss's schedule, um, what they've done and what they have ahead of them. When I look at them, their schedule, and that's and again, you I preach loss columns all the time. Everybody hears it on my show. They hear it in the chat room, whatever. But when I look at these schedules, and you nailed it, man, like it's it's a good path. It's all about the path you have to get there. That's more important than anything, and. This is this goes back to my preseason rankings again. Old Miss has had the same season that Michigan has, and I'm not taking anything away from either team, but they've essentially had the same season. And it, everybody can, you know, you can detract from the schedule. We don't know what's going to be until the test or whatever, but they've done what they needed to do and they look really good. And I think everybody thought that they were going to come in, throw the ball around the yard. That's they were going to kind of be like a gimmick team, like in, in the mind of like a Houston or something. No. They 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 get their physical. They can run the ball down your throat. Um, they they look the part. They they've got the dudes. They've got you know. So that was kind of surprising to me. And I do think they beat Kentucky. And I do think, I think that they. I, I'll just say that they're. I'll just say they're the tenth best team in the country. I I don't know somewhere around there, but I think they're the tenth best team in the country right now as we speak. And um. But I, they're sustainable. What they do is sustainable, and that's that's key in football. Is, is can you can you do it week to week to week? And uh, I like it. I want to ask you one more question. We talked about it in preseason. Me and you had a about a half hour to talk about Ole Miss and some of the past and some of the future. But um, how how do we feel about Jackson Dart right now? So I think he's done everything that you want him to do as a 19 year old starting quarterback who's now played four games and just like. I think a lot of people were worried about turnovers. He's kind of got gunslinger vibes. And this is absolutely a game where, like, you cannot do that because Kentucky will kill you that way. So I think, you know, I think the arrow is pointing up and people are really excited because there's some throws. There's some throws each week where you watch them and you're like, oh, wow, like there's three guys in the country that can make that throw. But then he'll do – but then on the flip side, he'll roll out right and throw back across his body and get picked, and you're just like, oh, my God. Like, there's only like – like, there's only 10 Power 5 quarterbacks that would be dumb enough to make that decision. So, you're almost – we talked about Bo Wallace. Like, we're almost in that realm of quarterback oh right now. Like, we're almost – we're like in the – you're either going to get good art or bad art. And he's been a little bit more consistent than Bo was, but some of the mistakes look really similar. So – this will be his biggest test. Um, I think they really want to get him involved early. He's a really physical quarterback, and that's somewhat a good thing, somewhat a bad thing. Like the guy, like he lowers his shoulder and wants to run over people when he has the ball, yeah. and like that's great for firing up a sideline. But I would prefer that my quarterback not take fifteen hits a game because he wants to get like yeah, you don't have get to get it from second and six to second and four. You don't have to tell me yeah, about like, I'd kind of so. 
we're on the complete opposite side of that spectrum as to where like our quarterbacks like nah I'm good. <laughs> like yeah, like yeah, sometimes we no, beg our quarterback to run. Like just take the five yards that are given to you. Stop trying to throw in the tight windows. Like you know you can, but like just take the five maybe, yards. Maybe just, just get bumped. Maybe, yeah. maybe just get roughed up a little well, bit. See, like last week and see like last week we had like, you know, it's thirty five to fourteen and almost has the ball and he pulls a read option and it's like he got twelve yards. And then he's coming up on a corner and he can either just kind of go out of bounds and take the yard, stop the clock. It's an end of quarter situation. No, like the guy took his throwing hand and decided to try to like shove it through the guy's face mask and just like get every possible yard. And there's some of that right now with him that you're like, whoa, 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 let's, I understand (laughs) what you want to do. I understand where you're coming from, but let's tone it down a little bit because if you get hurt, like the season's over. So it's just like there's a happy medium. If it's third and five and you're right at the chain and you want and like we need the yard, cool. If it's first and <laughs> ten and you've got four yards and it's either going to be second and three or second and five, second and five's cool. We're good with yeah. it. We can get live, two yards. live to fight another day. Right. Hey, gentlemen, I, I've got another show tonight. Thanks so much for having me on. This Jack, was a real blast. Quick, before you go, give us one stock up. And one stock down before you go. Oh, this is a great one. Uh, stock up. I'll, I'm going to take advantage of the of the platform, um, and I'm and I mean this. Uh, Tommy Eichenberg for Ohio State. He's the linchpin of our defense. When they announced he was going to be the starting linebacker in the summer, I was like, oh, here we go again. Same Ohio State defense. This kid actually, obviously, put in the learning, put in the learning, you know, that he needed to do. Listens to his coaches. He really is the key to this. I think. Uh, I don't think it's just the defense is as much improved as people think Ohio State is, but I think he is the reason that it's much, much better. He does a lot of things right, right there. And I just take advantage, you know, as someone that I watch week in and week out, stock down, just in general, kind of the savior coaches, um, you know, like, uh, you know, Tucker up in Michigan State, you know, Sarkeesian, these guys, I'm not saying they're going to fail forever, but they bring these guys in, things start going well, they throw them the check, and then their teams really are kind of the same. Uh, you know, th- there's there's several of them out there, um, you know, I know Allen for Indiana, their record looks pretty good. They got beat by Cincinnati. I like these these are these guys that they kind of shove down our throat and they're like, Yeah, this is the next guy. This is the guy taking us to the, you know, to the turn up, uh, you know, Freeman at Notre Dame. Like, you know, all these guys, like, and I'm not like I say, I'm saying stock down as far as like sometimes, you know, everything's not what it's cracked up to be. Up, you know, even Fisher down at AM right now, I think there's a lot of discussions, you know, around him. So um, Especially it, even after even after beating Arkansas, because like the way that they did it is not exactly. It's one of those exactly. where it's like we'll take W, but holy hell, fix some stuff. Yeah. But so off th- that, stock up Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton is stock up for getting Mel Tucker nine and a half million dollars a year. Or absolutely. His stock goes. His stock goes through the roof. He better get a really good Christmas present. Like he better and, have. And I think Tucker's. I think Tucker's a good coach, but I mean, people just. It's a. It it just boils down to this. What I'm trying to say. You got to have the players. Ryan Day's job is easier than Mel Tucker's. That's plain and simple. It's just. It's just the facts of the day. Um. Yep. But you know, they they always do this. They're like, ah, oh, we got our guy. Take all the money you can. And then now it's like, Scott Frost went through this. I mean, we just saw the other end of it. Like finally, they're like, ah, oh, no, this ain't it. You know. So. Yeah. So. Appreciate you, Jeff. I know you got to go. I know you Thanks about so to- much, guys. Buckeyes. So anybody, make sure you tune in. Listen to Lock on Buckeyes. It'll probably drop tomorrow. I know how Jay is. Drops it the next day. 
Uh, I know y'all are going to kill a great show, but Jeff, we appreciate you for coming on on the debut episode of Phil's Story. Hey, congratulations, guys. Thanks so much and have me on anytime. All right. Go Bucks. Got yeah. You got to love Jeff. You, ju you just, I, you, you yeah. got to love Jeff. Yeah. Had to get him in here for 15, 20 minutes uh, prior to him recording the show. So uh, before you, before we go on the stock up, stock down, like before we get into depth, let me throw my stock up. Uh, and I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to give my stock up right now to DJU. And, and that might be wild. Uh, but there was, there was a lot of expectation that he wasn't going to make it till week five. He wasn't going to be the starter going into the NC state game, especially now the NC states for real. Like we were like, you know, I was one of the people like we we're having the discussion, like how many weeks does DJU make it until he ends up, you know, on the bench and they bring in Kate Klubnik. And then, you know, even after the first week, like, yeah, they played against Georgia Tech. But still, like, you remember I was saying, like, Kate Kublik should have never played or really never threw passes. They had the game won. They were up big. DJU looked shaky in the first half, but I felt like Dabo put him in a shaky position and tried to stir up a quarterback controversy by letting this guy go on a drive and the offense look flawless, and he ends up throwing a touchdown pass. So DJU playing the way he is, he's got over, a thousand, I think, 1,033 yards, 10 touchdowns, one pick. Uh, he's been sacked six times. There's still You still see some of the flaws within his game, but, I mean, this is an offense, right? If they if his defense gave up 50 something last year, they were losing 50 something to 21. Like they were not scoring 56 points. It wasn't happening. There was no expectation of that. And we still didn't think even after we weren't convinced after they played Georgia Tech in week 1 that that was going to be a possibility. So for him to be able to, especially in a shootout game, show that this offense can score enough points to win games. Yes, I'm questionable like you're not giving up you know, you're not giving up 51 to Ohio State and winning that game. You're not giving up 51 to Alabama and winning that game. You're not giving up 51 to Georgia and winning that game because I don't think you're putting up 56 points on any of those three teams. So you have some questions. But as far as DJU, like, I think he's made a name. And I think where if I was a scout and I'm looking at DJU, I would say he's an NFL quarterback. But what the young man needs to do is stay one more year. He needs to play his senior year right out this year. Your stock's high, but he looks like he got better. He, he, he dropped weight. He did everything he needed to do. You can tell like that man got better. And so I applaud him. His stock is going up, but also if I'm a scout or like I'm somebody sitting down, I'm like, listen, your stock's going up. You're probably not a first round pick. You're probably a day two guy right now. Second, third round. Right. But if you stay and play that senior year, there's nothing wrong with that. He was young coming in anyway. So he'll only be like, a 22-year-old senior. He won't be like how everybody has the reservations behind Hendon Hooker because he's 24 years old. Like, your starters in the NFL right now that aren't 24 years old yet. But he'd be a young senior. He'd be about 22 years old. So staying one more year, I think, would benefit him. But I got to say his stock is going up. The man got 1,000 yards, 10 touchdowns, one pick. Like, and he's not even being talked about in the Heisman conversation. And I understand. I'm not saying he's better than C.J. Stroud. I'm not saying he deserves to be at the same seat of the table as Stroud or or Bryce Young, but at the same time, like this man is answering everything, every reservation that we have for him going into the season. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I actually thought about, I actually talked to somebody about that today, just uh, how he had been a lot better, and he's no longer Clemson's problem. Like Clemson's problem is elsewhere. Clemson's problem is that they can't cover anybody in the back end. So his stocks are definitely up. So for me, like stock up. Jeff kind of stole mine, but I'm going with Jalen Daniels. 
like we hadn't we didn't even know who this cat was preseason and now like he's one of the more more popular quarterbacks in the country because Kansas football I guess is now 4 and 0 uh with another game this weekend and that they're underdogs in at home uh, another sellout leave against Iowa State so like I mean but the stock is up completely he's become an electric playmaker he does it with his arms he does it with his legs he doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He's now beat good teams. Like he went on the road and beat Houston. They won last week uh, against Duke, against a team that was all right. And they look and they look good. They look the part. They look like a team that's going to win eight games. So for me, his stock is up because he didn't. Have, to be honest, he didn't really have stock to start the year. Like it wasn't even really something that was on our radar. But he's been fantastic. I mean, it's eleven touchdowns to one pick with nine hundred yards through like four games. So, I mean, he's he's slinging it around. That's him and Lance Leipold. Just Kansas as a whole is a major, major, major stock up. And then stock down, you have to go – see, like I kind of bounce back and forth here, but it has to be it has to be Anthony Richardson. Like I believe now – I'd have to go back – I'd have to go back and check the box from last week. But, I mean, coming into last week, it was no touchdowns, uh, no passing touchdowns against six interceptions. He, let's see, he threw he threw two last week, but all still threw a pick. So now it's two touchdowns against seven picks going into this weekend. Uh, that's a dude week one that we kind of crowned, right? Like we mm-hmm. kind of crowned him and we were ready to we were ready to do the we were ready to do the Anthony Richardson Heisman thing. And now we're just kind of like, can Florida win in spite of Anthony Richardson knowing that they can't throw the football? So his stock is down, especially from week one. I mean, these were guys that we had, or this is a guy that we had on our Heisman list. Uh, this is a guy that was supposed to emerge and become a first-round guy in the NFL in the NFL draft this year. And, I mean, just from the looks of it right now, that's just not going to happen. So, for me, that's kind of my two. Um, yeah, and then there's a lot of coaches and stuff that their stock is a lot higher now than it was coming into the year. Like, I mean, and I'll give you a team as a whole real quick before I kick it back to you, but stock up and the team to pay attention to. And I have to give credit to someone else. This wasn't my take. Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. Yeah. They're for real. They're a problem. That's a Rose Bowl team right now. They've got Purdue this weekend. They're favored by 12 and a half. And then it's uh, at Illinois and at Penn State. So two kind of tricky road games there. But after that, it's kind of smooth sailing. The team doesn't play Ohio State. The team does not play Michigan. They could easily be 12 and 0 rolling in out of the Big Ten West and rolling into the thing and be a playoff contender. So stock up the Golden Gophers. They're ranked 21st right now, but they're not going to be there for long. So that's a program to keep an eye on. PJ Flex got a squad. Yeah. And, and Minnesota kind of came out of nowhere. And, and I won't say like they're all they've always been a respectable program in the Big Ten. Uh they always come close to playing in that Big Ten championship. I think they've had a few years while uh, years ago. Uh, where, where they made it there, but didn't it win? But I mean, they're you got to start taking them serious. And I think after this week, I know it's against Purdue, but still, like Purdue's a viable team. They're solid. Like the only thing is, the problem in college football, right, is if you're not a playoff contender, you're not a good team, and we don't care. And, and so, like, we don't give flowers to everybody else. Like, oh, you beat Purdue, who cares? You wouldn't beat Ohio State. Like, that's the measurement of whether you're a good team or you're not worth talking about. It's like, well, you beat, but you're just gonna do all that to lose to Ohio State. But like. I'm sure Minnesota, I'm sure everybody in Minnesota would take a 12 and 1 season with a loss in the Big Ten Championship and an opportunity to play a USC or Oregon or Washington or whoever it may be in the Rose Bowl and end up winning that game. Like, I, or Utah, whoever it may be. Like, I think like that's an uber successful year 
uh, for, for the Golden Gophers if that's the way their season goes. So one more stock up for me. And he's somebody that we're not talking about in the Heisman race right now. And he's somebody who deserves a seat at the table. If you look at his numbers and call it crazy, it's because he plays in the Pacific Northwest and ain't nobody really watching this man put on a show. Michael Penix Jr. Why why is he not getting the love through four games? He has been better than damn near everybody except CJ Stroud. And and the the problem is, here's the problem. Real quick, I'm going to go on my small rant. The problem with people who cover college football is they always have to translate it into what a guy is going to do in the NFL. And I hate that because college football is its own sport. So take the NFL eyes out of it. Like like when JT Barrett was really good at Ohio State, he was a great college quarterback. That's all he was. And if you were an Ohio State fan, you knew that's all he was going to be was just a great college quarterback. But take away measuring NFL success, like JT Barrett was one of the greatest college quarterbacks to ever play in Big Ten history. He's got all the records and he broke Drew Brees' records, but you're not going to say that because you're going to be like, well, Drew Brees came out of there and you're going to talk about his NFL career. Separate the sports when you're talking about Michael Penix is here. He's a guy. He's thrown for over 1,300 yards. He's got 12 touchdowns to one pick. CJ Stroud has 16 touchdowns but has 100 yards less than Michael Penix Jr. So, yes, it's CJ Stroud, and when you watch him, you're watching him with the eye. He's making every NFL throw 100%, but why are we not talking about him? Because he's playing late night over there in the Pacific Northwest, and we haven't had a lot of opportunities, and you would have thought what they did to Michigan State was like, okay, that was a statement game for Washington, let alone that was a statement game for Michael Penix Jr., but he's still not getting enough love. Like, this dude should be a top-five Heisman candidate right now based on through four games. Project all you want, that's fine. Through projection, you think he falls off. You're looking at two or three game stretch where you think like this is where Washington falls off and they're not serious. But through, through four games, he should be a Heisman favorite. Not the Heisman favorite, but I think he should be top five. He's put up the numbers. His team is 4-0. They're ranked and they're going on the road to play UCLA, who I think has a viable offense. It's going to be a tough test for Washington, but it's also UCLA where I don't think it's a hostile environment. And I think if Washington is the better team, then they'll win that game. They keep it on the West Coast. It's not like they're traveling across the, you know, it's not like they're traveling across the country. They have to play some team with a hostile environment. They're playing in UCLA. We've seen how their stands look on college football Saturday. So if Washington is a better team, they're going to be able to prove it right here, beat an undefeated UCLA. And there's going to come a point in time where you've got to start at least taking them serious. But the only time we take a team serious is when we say they're playoff contenders. So stock up is definitely Michael Penix Jr. Stock down is, is Jeff hit on the coach. And it's Mel Tucker, but I would say it's recruiting. Like I, stock down is on Mel Tucker's recruiting because when you're a coach who gets paid what he got paid over the amount of time that he got paid, they had a blast year in the transfer portal, right? But he never fixed the flaws from last year. Like Ohio State ran them out the gym. And, and the, the example, Ohio State ran them out the gym. Washington just ran them out the gym. They ran them off the field. They cannot guard the pass. That was your problem. Last year, you have two viable receivers. You have a mediocre quarterback. Okay, I get it. Maybe a five-star doesn't want to go to Michigan State at quarterback. That's fine. But you never addressed your weakest point on the on, on the field, which is your secondary. And that is, again, your weakest point. And that has gotten you in a lot of trouble early. You went from being ranked like number 11 or 12 to now you are unranked and have two losses. So with Mel Tucker, I'm pointing out the recruiting because when you go in there and you see your flaws, like, oh, shit, we don't have a quarterback. All right, let's go recruit a quarterback. Let's see if we can steal that four-star, that high three-star, borderline four-star guy. Doesn't know where he really wants to go. He could come here and start. Like, you should have did that with the secondary. Like, there's no reason why you didn't adjust 
your biggest flaw last year. You go into it with it being the same biggest flaw, and it's going to bite you in the butt now more than ever because there are a bunch of good college quarterbacks in college football right now. I mean, we're talking about Kansas got a guy. We're talking about Washington. We're talking about, I think UCLA's quarterback is decent. Like, he's not. When you take off your NFL eye, he's decent. He's a good college quarterback. He can get the job done. He could light a vulnerable secondary up. So the recruiting aspect of not improving your secondary to me is is the that's the biggest flaw with Michigan State. And you know you're looking at Michigan's throwing the ball around. Ohio State's throwing the ball around. Like Penn State's able to throw the ball around a little bit with Sean Clifford, who's been in college for 10 years. But you still like you're looking at it and they're like some of the guys that can throw the ball around, like they all have the edge over. Michigan State, because they're not going to be able to stop that. And if they're just going to be able to launch the ball to all their weapons around the field, then there's nothing Michigan State could do because also some of these teams in the Big Ten got viable enough defenses that one stop changes the game where now we go up 21, like quick, and you can't strike back. And even if you do, we're striking right back at you. You never can cut into the deficit. So for me, stock down is Mel Tucker. And then because this is the opening episode of Phil Stormers, the debut episode for OffTheBallNetwork.com. I'm also going to say it because y'all never heard my rant, but I'm not going to go on a rant. Spencer Rattler, his stock is completely down as of right now through four weeks. He doesn't look like a good quarterback. I know we still hold hope. Maybe there's a stretch where he can have that. He can show us the flashes. I know Walker's a guy who's still holding hope, but does understand that he's been very underwhelming up to this point. So when you stick up for him, you're not denying what he looks like through four weeks. You just see there's a window where, like, I think he can look like somebody throughout the rest of the season. So, but Spencer Rattler, his stock's completely down. I mean, this is a guy I thought he was going to turn around, not be the coveted number one pick that we thought he would be eventually when he committed to Oklahoma and went to Oklahoma. But I still thought he'd turn around, look like a pretty decent draft prospect. And right now, like, he doesn't even look like a viable, like, he looks like a guy based on his name and probably who they have behind him is why he's not benched yet. But any other big-time program with some freshman Kate Kubnick is, is is the South Carolina quarterback, and Spencer Rattler no longer has a job. Like, it's one of those. Kyle McCord is the backup quarterback for South Carolina, and Spencer Rattler no longer has a job. Like, so he's been that underwhelming. So that's my stock up, stock down. Uh, real quick, I want to touch, we're, we're going to touch on the Ole Miss NIL deals in it, but real quick, because um, we don't have a lot more time, we're going to talk about the Auburn and Harsh's situation, and I'm going to let you take that away and just kind of say, we talked about this pre-show, so just kind of reiterate your statement on that. We won't spend too much time on that. I'll, I fully agree with you, so I'll give you your statement and everything, and then we'll get into the Ole Miss NIL deal to close out the show. Yeah, so, I mean, I just kind of had, like, I mean, there's a lot of public discourse about Harson and Auburn over the last couple of weeks. They played Missouri in the 11 o'clock window after college game day, so naturally there were a lot of people watching, and it was one of the most disgusting college football games I think I've ever watched. Like, there was so much, like, Missouri's kicker who never missed who had never missed inside of 40 yards missed a 28 yarder to win the game following that up by Missouri running a touchdown into the end zone to beat Auburn at Jordan Hare in overtime but the kid extends the ball and fumbles out of the back of the end zone to lose the game by a field goal that's how Auburn had to win and so when I'm looking at like when I'm looking at this type of stuff like Auburn fans were upset that their team added a win to the win column because that then meant that they didn't get to fire Brian Harson. And I'm kind of like at the point where like, if you are so known, like it's so known that you're going to fire him after the next loss, then why do we care whether we fire him after a win or a loss? Like if he's got to go, then go. Like, I mean, why are you waiting until like, why, like 
him beating Missouri doesn't do anything to save his job. His fate is already sealed. So if that's the case, then who cares whether he beats Missouri on Saturday or loses to Georgia the next Saturday or LSU this coming Saturday? Like, what difference does it make? If if you're going to fire him, then just do it. Do it. Let the world know you're looking for a head coach because Auburn is a desirable job. Like, that's a job where you can win. That program has won national championships. They've been to more national championships. They can get to the playoff. They have the resources to be a contender year in and year out in this sport. So, I mean, if you're going to fire him and his fate is sealed, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, but I was watching watching the game, talking to people I know at Auburn, and then also just kind of watching the discourse from Auburn fans over the course of the week. Like, if you know his fate is sealed, then just go ahead and do it. I don't understand it. Rip the Band-Aid off. And I'm not one for in-season firings. I think everybody should wait till the end of the year. But – if you know, then just do it. Like, I mean, don't wait. Like, don't wait and just drag this thing out. It does nothing for anybody. He's out having to recruit high school kids and try to convince them to come to Auburn, knowing for damn sure that he's not going to be there. And, like, to me, that's crazy because that puts him in an incredibly hard situation. He can't look for another job because he's employed by the current university. And to me, that's just crazy. Like, to me, it's crazy. Like, just go ahead and fire him if you want to fire him that bad. Yeah, like, it, yeah, and that's why I say we won't spend too much time on that. You had a statement. It's like, if you're ready to let him go, let him go. Like, you know, don't wait for the bad loss to be like, oh, it's justifiable. Like, if everybody within Auburn and the fan base and, and the boosters and, you know, all the people who have influences on how long coaches have tenures, it's not just on the athletic director, especially in college football. They listen to the fan base. They listen to the boosters. I think the boosters have the biggest say-so at colleges anyway on whether a guy keeps especially his job. Or Auburn. His especially yeah, they're giving all that money, you know, into the program, whether it's facilities or, or whatever. And now with NIL, you know, you're able to provide money um, to the team. And if you think he's not the guy, then just let him go. Like, like you said, like, even if they beat LSU, like, don't let that be the, re oh, we have to keep him now. And then he goes and turns around and gets smacked against Georgia. And they're sitting there at what, four and two. And you're like, oh, yeah, we're going to fire him though. Cause he's four and two, but he got smacked by Georgia. We can't compete. Like Auburn's already a little bit better than people thought up to this point. But I mean, if you really want to fire me, you want to make it justified. Like you should have fired him when he got smacked at home by Penn state. Like if you're already ready for him to go, then that Penn state game would have been like, Oh, everybody would have understood it. Like, you know, some people don't necessarily respect the end season firings, but like, even with Scott Frost, like we knew it was coming, right? Like, and then when they ended up losing the big, like, so we knew it was coming. So like, even with Harson, is like, we knew he was on the hot seat. We thought Auburn was going to be bad. Fire, fire their coach bad. They haven't been that, but now like they're ready to get rid of them. So just get rid of them. So before we go touch on, obviously, you know, I'm an Ohio state fan, but we have an old Miss fan, you know, as the co-host as well. So we got to touch on the latest, uh, from one of the power five schools and, and just to enlighten people, Ohio state has one. Uh, as far as the NIL deal where the fans can subscribe and get team access and things like that to provide money uh, for the Ohio State players. But Ole Miss is like the latest Power Five to do this solely for the football program and solely to be able to bring in money for the football players. Like we're seeing all these individuals have deals and have money coming in and essentially being bought. But Ole Miss has made the latest announcement. And with that, with that, they brought out them fire helmets. Like, listen, right. I seen them helmets and I knew they was going to have some gear to go with it. I said, look, Matt Walker, I need a shirt. He sent me the website. I'm like, bro, I got to get me a shirt. Like, it's just too hard. And, yeah. and I buy into some of my fringe fandom. Like, 
right, man, he got me, you know, just like Jeff, like Jeff's all in on the Ole Miss train now. Like I'm, I'm riding. I want to see Ole Miss be good. So, uh, Walker, I'll kind of hand that to you before we close out the show. Like just kind of explain it and how you feel about it. So, I mean, it's just kind of like the first of its kind. We've now seen Ole Miss sign an exclusive partnership with Realtree Camo, which is just kind of like a, I mean, it's a camouflage hunting gear kind of company that's that they, most of their stuff's kind of in Walmart and stuff like that. But both the owner and the son of the owner who's going to take over the company, the head owner played football at Ole Miss and the other one graduated from Ole Miss. And so they wanted to be a part of this. Like they wanted to have some say in the success of this football program. So they, I mean, they mocked up these lids. They mocked up some jerseys and stuff that'll come, I think, later on. They mocked up all this um, fan gear stuff. And, um, you know, it's the first of its kind. Like, it's something that we haven't seen before. Like, we've seen these collectives where your fans can donate and boosters can donate, but we haven't seen someone do something as exclusive as this where it's like, okay, like, we're going to give this person a say in, like, what we put on the field on Saturday. Like, we're going to officially partner as a university – we're going to wear their helmets. They're going to say a real tree camo on the top of them on top of the, uh, as well as having the team logo on it. Like, it's just, it's something we haven't seen before. It's something I expect in college football circles is going to get talked about a lot when those helmets end up on the field on Saturday, because it's a, I don't know whether it's a loophole or it's an, it's an advantage that Ole Miss has gained that nobody else is talking about. And when you're a school like Ole Miss where money is not endless, you have to get creative. And how do you recruit? You recruit A with open starting positions with money and stuff like uniforms, like gimmicky, like stuff like uniforms. Look at Oregon. This is not a brand like LSU, USC, Texas, where those uniforms, when they, when they take, take the field, it's an iconic brand you know exactly who it is based on the color scheme, the helmet. Ole Miss is not that. They're never going to be that. You, there's too much history that has to be established for you to be that. They're not going to be that. So they're taking every advantage, understanding who they are, getting creative and finding ways. So, like, we had four or five-star wide receivers talking about these helmets on Twitter the other day. That's mission accomplished, like, right out the gate. Mission accomplished. Like, those are guys that are now talking about wanting to come and see you on your campus it gives you a chance it gives you a recruiting edge and it just gives you a leg up in one of the two hardest conferences in america and so i think it's just a really unique thing i think we're going to see more of this and in, in college football like i think you're going to see other schools follow suit but it's a big story like it's the first of its kind and i think anytime in college football now we see a school do something creative and lead the way in a new era uh, I think it's going to be news because I think it's I think more people are going to follow suit and more people are going to take after this and follow Ole Miss's lead and start doing stuff like that. Yeah. And when you look at it um, real quick, like when you look at it, it's like to be a pioneer of something kind of stamps your place in history later on down the line. Like so when you look back and you're like five years from now, 25 of, of the power five schools have a deal like this. And then you look back 10 for 10 years from now and like everybody in the power five has a deal like this of its kind. You're like, okay, but old, old miss pioneered that. Like it's the first of its kind and it starts that. And then it creates what you were mentioning, like that lack of history. It creates that history. And then old miss is always known and pointed to towards that. And like you said, I mean, you have five star receivers talking about it. Like, Oh, Bro, I would love to play in those. Like, those are dope because these are young kids. And then and then on top of that, like, you know you have a viable program and you know you got a viable coach that, like, 
we can get players anyway. But to to boost that 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 multiple five star receivers to get that recruiting pathway like Ohio State and Brian Hartline, who's able to get any receiver he wants. Like receivers will sit the bench just to play and have an opportunity to play one year at Ohio State. Like you're seeing that. So now you're like you remember when Oregon was getting recruit after recruit after recruit because they were putting out the nastiest uniforms because Phil Knight was putting them in any Nike gear, any colorway they wanted. Oregon had. Get, like all the football players were having gear because Phil Knight was donating that. And, you know, it was at a time where it was like it wasn't illegal because he's the owner of Nike. They're sponsored by Nike. So their sponsor is giving them. But like it was you paying the players like he was right. buying. Yeah. Like, I'm selling you on all this gear. But it's like, OK, look, you ain't never got to worry about spending money on clothes. You could just wear if you're an Oregon football player, you could just wear Oregon gear all the time. They were getting team shoes, slides. Of, of in every colorway, every shoe in every colorway. You remember at that time, especially like later, like in that 2012 to 2015, like neon was in because of Oregon, the, the black and neon and the, and the neon and green and all that. So I, I definitely think like it, it's definitely going to set a trend. And so to be able to look and know that Ole Miss is going to pioneer that, it's going to change some things. And then the only thing, the only certain schools I don't think buy in, and that's the traditional schools, like the ones who brands really do sell itself, like, the Ohio states. Like, I don't think Ohio state fans will be, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I remember like when we did the gray and red uniforms, like Ohio state fans hated it. Like that's not traditional. Like it's ruining our tradition. Like they just started buying into the black uniforms and they, that now they love it. But like essentially like it's either, we want you to go out there in that white and red or that scarlet and gray. And that's it. Like, you know what I'm saying? So yep. now, but I don't see like, Oh no, we're not changing the helmets. The helmets, especially like Ohio state, the helmets mean something the amount of, you know, the amount of plants that you have on your helmet, really you get awarded those throughout practice, throughout camp, throughout spring, throughout the season. So it really is is an iconic helmet, especially the story behind how you get your helmet so decorated. So, Walker, this was a hell of a debut episode. Uh, I, I really hate, I feel like we're leaving a lot on the table, but we covered everything we really wanted to cover and needed to cover. Next week, we'll be able to review Week four, I'm sure I'm sure I'll jump on Jeff's show as well to do a week four review, but we will be able to do it here on episode two of Field Stormers. So before we go, Walker, tell everybody where they can follow you. Yeah, so it's uh, at Walker Bailey 818 on Twitter and follow all the good folks at OffTheBallNetwork.com. Um, you know, I we retweet and promote content, just everything you need sports-wise is going to be there. Uh, and then you can follow me and more of this show and others that I'm on at Walker Bailey 818 on Twitter. I think we're launching a sub stack for this show as well. I think we're going to do some written content on the side and also produce stuff like that. So we're going to, I think we're going to try to keep that going, you know, in the seven days between, um, between episodes, you know, I think I'm going to try to, I think I'm going to try to publish more written analysis as far as like how my betting cards kind of go the way they do with college football uh, and try to link that with this show. So, I mean, we're got a lot of stuff coming with this show. Uh, we're really excited so uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah, this is the this is the launch of something great. As always, you can follow me at Mo underscore Cheese fifteen, um, and make sure you subscribe to Field Stormers. Go to FieldStormersPodcast.substack.com. Um, give us a little subscription. It'll be out on Apple and Spotify as well. So make sure you like, subscribe, rate five star. You know, all the support will help. We're gonna have some written content, some player breakdowns, some some stars to watch like not everything is going to be you know we're going to get you ready as 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 the field stormers together throughout the week but we're always going to record an episode on a weekly basis but we might have a 
players to watch and, and give flowers to some of the guys or, or matchups to tune into that aren't about the two ranked teams, but there's some key players to watch here, especially some of you people who care about watching a key prospect that your NFL team could end up drafting later on. So just stay tuned. We're still working out the details on everything that we plan on putting into this show, but we wanted to launch it and get it out to y'all. This was a perfect week, and we're going to put our everything into this show the way I, I, I put everything and will continue to put everything into Up in Flames. I will do the same thing with Phil Stormers. I know Walker will. His betting cards and everything. Just go follow everybody at offtheballnetwork.com. And the Phil Stormers will catch you 